live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Ah, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you and welcome to Off The Tee. And to say it has been a massive week in golf would just not be doing it justice. It would be the understatement of the year. So there is so much to get through tonight and there's nobody better to get through the events of the last week and then preview what's to come this week. The third major of the year is upon us, the US Open. So we'll give you an in-depth preview of that as I welcome in the former world number 16, the only man with the two-zip record against Tiger Woods. Nick Ahern, hello. Sam, not much has happened since we last spoke, right? Oh, how are we going to fill an hour? (laughs) Um, So a year and four days ago, 11th of June, we watched with very varied and mixed emotions the golfing world as, as the Live Golf teed up for the first ever time, the first ever tournament. They turned the world on its head October 2021 um, when they revealed plans for the tour and then who will go, who won't go, all the speculation. March last year, Greg Norman, the CEO, who'd been spoiling for a fight with the PGA for, for so long, finds his posse in the form of the Saudi Public Investment Fund, who just happened to have those very, very deep pockets. They announced their inaugural season and signings. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, to name a few, signed on. 54 holes, no cut, shotgun start, events, shortened season, individual, team element combined, eye-watering amounts of guaranteed money in amounts and in a manner that we've never seen in golf. And then more names, Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Cam Smith off the open win, lawsuits, live players hit with bans, threats of fines, the PGA, DP World Tour, the slanging match, cons- constant and consistent since October in 2021, battle lines drawn between tour players, cries of sports washing, blood money, traders calling out the killing on the memory of those lost in 9-11. Things have been said on both sides that can never be unsaid. Rory McIlroy, the sole figurehead of the resistance for the loyalist, he along with Tiger and Ram and Scheffler, Zalatoris, Morikara, Matsuyama turned down offers in the hundreds of millions to stay the course on the PGA's course. Live forced the PGA to elevate its prize money on offer, change its rules, the amount of tournaments players need to play, minimum pay for tour players, a whole range of changes to making the golfers on the PGA tour's lives better to keep them with the PGA. Uh, ironically, many of these things that had infuriated Norman for decades, golf, Nick, absolutely divided. Ironically, golf conditions for the players who left and stayed never better. Um, live in just their second season. They'd just got their TV rights. They'd packed them out at Adelaide, slowly building. Then last Tuesday night after we go off air, out of the blue, an announcement comes down that shocked not only golf but sport. It stunned everybody. More than the origins of this tournament and, and, and an organisation in its, its inception ever did, the fight was over. Guns have been laid down. The PIF, Live, the PGA and the DP World Tour apparently merging together to reunify golf under one banner funded by the Saudi PIF and run by the PGA. Nobody saw it coming, Nick. The ripple, of, ripple effects have been like tidal waves and we're still sifting through the water to make sense of it all. You can take Ever, a breath. We, oh, can, you can take a breath. Are we now. up to speed? <laughs> How, let me ask you this. I think there's a song we, in all that. We started texting at about 7am, I reckon, <laughs> which is not normal for us, but such was the magnitude of this. I want to know how you felt when you started to hear. Yeah. Well, when I first heard, I woke up that morning and, again, I've, I've said this before, uh, I thought it was April Fool's Day. I thought it yep. was, uh, we're back in April the 1st, but no, we weren't. We're in June and... Then obviously the feeds kept coming through. I thought, well, this must be a fake account here. Who's who's making up all this? But sure enough, they had merged. Now, 
if you look at the details, the PGA Tour has not merged with Live. What has happened is the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour and the PIF have uh, combined their commercial interests mm. into a new LLC entity, which is for-profit. The PGA Tour itself is a non not-for-profit organisation. That will continue on. So you've got you to get that through because people are saying, oh, PGA Tour and Live have merged. merged. No, that hasn't happened. And it hasn't happened yet it, because it's a non-binding agreement at the moment. They've just agreed to talk to about mm. terms. They've agreed to agree, basically. <laughs> yeah, and that was what was confusing because that was their words. Yes. The merge and the unification mm. was their words. This was Jay Monaghan at the announcement, the, P, the CEO of the PGA. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. And David, the way that we're doing that is we're creating a for-profit LLC uh, that the PIF is going to invest in alongside the DP World Tour. Uh, and together, we're gonna move forward uh, and we're gonna take efforts to, to grow and expand this great game and to take it to new heights. And so what's happened today and to your earlier question is we've recognized that together, we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. And I give Yasser great credit for coming to, the t coming to the table, coming to the discussions with an open heart and an open mind. We did the same, and the game of golf is better for what we've done here today. So that was Jay Monaghan, and there is so much audio that we could go through um, from there. And um, Al Rumiyan was speaking about where Greg Norman sits in all of this, and we'll, we'll go through all of that. Um, as well, but it, it's looking likely that Greg won't have any involvement. So he picked up the fight. He found an ally in the fight that he's been wanting to have for years and years and years. And it's been pointed out through history that often the person that starts the fight doesn't really ever get to finish it, but they end up being uh, sacrificing themselves to get to where they want to go. And he has done that. He has, he has sacrificed his reputation, his standing, his invitations to events that he's won, let alone those that he hasn't. I mean, all of that. He is public enemy number one, especially for those who left. Called out by Tiger, called out by Rory. It doesn't look like there's a place for Greg. He's met with all the live people saying it's business as usual and it would appear that it will be for the foreseeable future. Um, just your take on that element of it. Yeah, well, you have to look at the bigger picture in a way why is saudi investing money in the game of golf you've got to look at that number one well it's all part of their vision 2030 plan which mm. many years ago uh or not many but a few years ago they decided to invest in a variety of uh, enterprises or, or markets sport and entertainment being one of them uh yasser al ramia he loves his golf so they looked at that side of a thing Greg Norman, the collaboration there, you know, it just fit at the right time to, to try this thing, which Greg had proposed back in the 90s. Now, um, going forward, what his overall plans were with golf, it's still unknown uh, for sure because we don't know where this new entity is going to go, what's going to happen with Live Golf. I'm assuming Live Golf will continue to run the course the rest of this year. They have a schedule for next year planned as well. But if, if you look at it in the big picture... I think uh, Yasser is all about legitimising Saudi Arabia in front of uh, you know corporate America so that they can do business with them. And the PGA Tour is a great gateway to do it. Now, whether he had this in mind all you know from the beginning, he probably did. Um, 
the antitrust lawsuits and all that sort of thing. They probably don't really want to go down that route, but they're exp- you know they, they've been what they've been doing is they've been throwing money at it, throwing money at it. So just to make the PGA Tour bleed more of their funds, the PGA Tour has responded from you know live golf by all of a sudden making these designated events, tripling the prize money. More money has to go so, from the PGA Tour so side the, of things. That's the two pronged effect of the financial impact on yep. the PGA. Not only is it the lawsuits. Mm which reports a $50 million roughly that has been spent by the PGA, it forced the hand of the PGA to do things that they've been asked to do for years but have been able to resist in terms of minimum pay and, and, and less events and, and increasing mm. purse and, and things like that that they were reticent to do but now we're forced to. So it's well, two-pronged, the financial side. Yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing because the PGA Tour have... Obviously, they're dipping into their reserves to help fund these yeah. extra prize money. They've tripled prize money. Now, when Live Golf came along and they put all this money into it, anyone has al- everyone has always said, look, this is not a return on investment deal here. This is just throwing money away. They're burning money, okay? And in a way, I heard something just recently, someone say, well, the PGA Tour has just proved this because no right business in their mind can sustain this sort of thing. So all of a sudden they've gone, well, yep. we need to partner because you just cannot make money out of it doing it this way. No, and, and you couldn't continue to fight them no. in the manner that you were. So, so something had to give. So the strategy of d- obviously very deep pockets, take away some of the assets of the competitor that you're trying to bring down or bring yourself in alignment to, take them away, pay them exorbitant money in a way that's never been done. So it wasn't the promise of purses. It was just the promise. Yeah. It was like an NFL contract. You'll have this amount guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then you take away their players. You then force their hand to pay who they've got still got more, and then sue them. Mm. So that then they, it, it caused complete disarray. And all at the same time, they were still able to put on golf tournaments with big names. They got big crowds in places sort of outside the US and, and a couple in the US. They weren't really getting ratings, but they were getting ripples. They were making yeah. noise and. Um, well, the two they buzz, were making their mark. The two buzzwords everyone was talking about this last year is fracturing and disruption, and that's very much what they have yeah. achieved in that regard. I think Rory McIlroy's comments for me were, were very telling in his interview that he did where he said basically, look, the Saudis are going to spend money in golf. It is going to ha- continue to happen, so why don't we make the best use of it? And when, when he was asked about you know, where the money's coming from, which he's always been against... He said, look, I've, I've come to terms with it. So that kind of sets the tone as to how things are going to go going forward. So let's talk about the players because the way that this has been set up is that Jay Monaghan will continue to be the CEO of this new unified world. But how can that be mm. given that everything he said he has now contradicted, um, maybe out of necessity, but, you know, calling on the memories of 9-11 um, in the manner that he did, saying this is a player-run organisation and the players will decide and the players had no idea. Yeah. This is Rory McIlroy about finding out. And he has been... Tiger has come and gone from this and Tiger has had some things to say, but because he's not an ever-present um, presence at the tournaments anymore, then he doesn't get asked as often. Rory has been, and I think at times unfairly, he has been at the he has been at the bow of the boat as it's forged and, and, and pressed into the storm and he has worn it all and it's worn him down, I reckon. Um, this is what he had to say. Uh, Monday night, I guess, um, from Jimmy Dunn saying, Hey, can I give you a call in the morning? So I said sure. Uh, Jimmy rang me at about six thirty yesterday morning. Um, we had a chat. 
took me through the news, took me through the deal, the structure of the deal, um, what it meant for us, what it meant for the DP World Tour. So yeah, I, I learned about it pretty much at the same time everyone else did. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a surprise. Um, I knew there had been discussions going on um, in the background. I knew that uh, lines of communication had been opened up. Uh, I obviously didn't expect it to happen as, as quickly as it did. Um, but I really think that, you know, from what I gather, the tour felt they were in a real position of strength coming off the back of the DP world winning their legal case in, in London. Um, it sort of weakened um, the other side's position and, um, you know, they went in there and, you know, the way Jimmy described it, you know, Rory, sometimes you got too itty over water and you just got to go for it. Anyone that is involved with Liv now would answer to Jay. So, you know, the PJ Tour have have control of everything and the one thing as well is whether you like it or not the PIF are going to keep spending money in golf at least the PGA turn like controls how that money is spent stirred up a lot of emotions in fans right of course you know I I said it to Jay yesterday you've galvanized everyone against something and that thing that you galvanized everyone against you've now partnered with so yeah, of course I understand it 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 is hypocritical it sounds hypocritical Rory McIlroy also went on to say that how he felt about being a bit of a scapegoat um, for what had taken place and how he felt um, about the way in which he had sort of been, I suppose not used, but his role and what he had played and then to, to, to sort of be left in the dark in the manner that he, that he was. He also went on to say that he still thinks there should be penalties for the live players and he clearly believes that the PGA have the whip hand here. There's so much that we don't have time to get through because we are going to... But, but just to the, the point of the players not knowing, so you've got players who turned down hundreds of millions of dollars to stay loyal who now are asking why, what, what was the point of all of that. Rory thinking that the PGA have the whip hand even though this is going to be funded by the, the Saudi uh, PIF um, and that he hates live and he still thinks there should be penalties. Is he... How have you seen the response from the PGA players and Rory? Well, there's there's a very big mistrust in leadership now, that's for sure. I mean, mm. they came out of that player meeting going, hang on, you've been telling us one thing for 12 months and then all of a sudden you just do a complete 180 and now we've got to go down this path. Um, yeah, let us just think about this for a little while or maybe not even think about it. I mean, in that player meeting that they did have last week, when someone called for a change in leadership, that got a standing ovation, I believe. So mm. uh, the players are not really very happy with leadership right now obviously if, if jay monaghan lasts the rest of this year i'll be pretty impressed but he's also got his ceo role in the new entity so he'll be fine don't worry he'll he'll have a nice parachute agreement going on i'm sure but uh from a player's perspective they just want to know the facts and what's going to happen you know what 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 are you talking about here we stayed loyal etc etc i've heard some comments about well this new fund sorry this new entity which the which the piff will, will put be putting money into the players will get an equity piece of that, so that will be you know, their compensation. I guess you, I guess you should, should could say okay. for, for staying yep. loyal. That's a way. Now the the live he players said loyalty will be rewarded. Will be rewarded. Yep. The live players wanting to come back to the PGA Tour. Well, that'll be an interesting conversation to be a part but of. But how so. can you stop them now? If you've unified golf and mm. it's all going to come under the one banner, you can't stop them because that their bosses have joined a uh, funding. Your bosses. Yeah, but again, um, the PGA Tour is still a not-for-profit entity, okay? That's their thing over there. Live Golf is over here. Mm. They've created a new company, so that's where the grey area is coming from. Mm. Now, 
how they let live golfers back into the PGA Tour? I'm not sure. I mean, I know the DP World, World Tour, they're not letting their players come back in straight away. Uh, the, the ones that resigned their membership, they're out for the rest of this year. I don't know what's going to happen next year. So no Ryder Cup players there happening. That's for sure. Brooks Kepka. well, you know, we can talk about that as well. Is your feeling that Liv will play out the four years that it signed with the players initially? Or do you think they'll reach agreements with those players to wrap it up? And how quickly do you feel like this will all come under the one banner? Because this is massive. Because if it is DP, mm. PGA and Liv all under the one world... I mean, this is the landscape. We knew it had changed with Liv coming in. It, it could be even more drastic and substantial than we ever thought. If this is all coming in, those three tours are all coming in under the one, this is golf will no longer be anything like what it's been. <laughs> no, you're right there. What are we in the second year of a four-year deal for a lot of the players? Maybe five years. I don't know what it is. But uh, uh, obviously this year is going to play out. Next year will be the interesting one. Will, this, will that be the transition year? And mm. then we've got 2025 be the start of this new whatever look of a tour we're going to have. I, I don't know. Uh, the other big story that's come out of this is that the U.S. Senate have um, announced an inquiry into this agreement just to look at I's dotted and T's crossed and uh, make sure that it is all tickety-boo and hunky-dory. So the drama continues on a whole range of levels yeah. in and around this. So we've got the U.S. Open, uh, players that are coming together for the first time. We'll hear from Cam Smith uh, in a moment as well. There is a tonne to play out and we have barely scratched the surface in the time that we've had. We've got to take a break and come back on off the tee for Pure Form Golf. Improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pure Form Golf. The Canadian Open was as stunning a finale to a tournament as we've seen all year. We'll get you across that next before we preview uh, the US Open. This is off the tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Flag stick in with the maple leaf flag. Good pace. Are you serious? Oh, my goodness! Glorious and free! Your country has waited 69 years to watch one of its own bring home its national open. Can you put in perspective what it means to be the one to deliver it to them? No, uh, I'm speechless. This is for this is for all the guys that are here. Um, this is for my family at home. My wife, my wife Andy, and our son Charlie and Harper. It's uh, I'm very speechless. This is. This is the most incredible feeling ever. You just made... Well, we just marvelled on Monday morning as we saw the Canadian Open finish in the most spectacular uh, circumstances. What a show uh, that all of the players put on. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, 10 birdies to get into the clubhouse with the lead and then Nick Taylor and Tommy Fleet were duking it out and Nick Taylor breaking that drought. The scenes were epic and won't soon be forgotten, Nick. What a finish. It was. It was, uh, you know, I woke up like everyone else and we're watching this tournament unfold be before our eyes and, and almost willing a Canadian to win. At one stage, it, it kind of looked like uh, you had three Englishmen up there, Canadian. It was, it was like a Commonwealth Games type CT scenario. Pan. Yep. Yeah, CT <laughs> Pan. Um, but Tommy Fleetwood had the tournament in his hands playing the 72nd hole. He just needed to hit that fairway. If he does that, Birdie's probably going to be, you know, 80% chance from mm. there. And he wins the golf tournament, his first PGA Tour event. But it didn't happen. 
Didn't go for it on his second shot. He tried to lay up, hit it in the rough, and all of a sudden he's fighting for par. But it was a it was a thrilling play of four holes in the end, and for for uh, Taylor to hold the longest putt of his career, 72-footer, couldn't have come at a better time. But I'll tell you what was brilliant was that rugby tackle by the security guard on Adam Hadwin. That was brilliant. <laughs> of all the things that you thought, well, this can't get any more incredible, <laughs> this can't get any more chaotic, and then that happened. I know. Um, I love the fact that all of the, especially a lot of the European players were there to t- for, um, for Tommy because mm. I think it's 20 top 10s now without... Uh, which is the longest stretch, and also all the Canadians there, and they were all celebrating for each other, really. I mean, it was beautiful. It was everything beautiful. Yeah. In a week where it hadn't been, it was everything beautiful uh, about golf. It was so fitting for you know, a Canadian to finally win that National Open. I mean, Mike Weir came so close a few years ago, and what is it, a 69-year drought? It's, uh, it's a win for golf up there, and, uh, and it certainly... Ended the week uh, much better than what it started up there at the Canadian Open. Harrison Endicott, by the way, uh, tied for 12th. Um, his yeah, best, one of his best finishes. Uh, Cam Percy was tied 52nd. Aaron Baddeley and Jeff Ogilvy um, missed the cut. Um, we would have loved to have given more time to that event. Uh, the playoff itself and all the drama that unfolded from it, what a putt uh, it was for, from Nick to, to claim that win. But um, it's, it's a major week. Uh, and so we've got to get stuck into a big preview of the US Open, which we're going to do next on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, it is a major week. Uh, so on Off the Tee, thanks to Pure Form Golf, improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pure Form Golf. Most of the news that we are working through, despite the massive sports landscape, golf world-changing merger, or if it's a merger, for lack there of a better word, uh, all the news for Ping Golf, use Ping Golf equipment so you can play your best. Um, we need to focus in on previewing the third major of the season. Nick, the 123rd US Open taking place at the LA Country Club, the first time in 75 years that they'll be in LA. 156 golfers are going to tee it up Thursday night, our time, for the third major of the year. Um, I always like to start when we preview these by just talking through your US Open experiences. (laughs) How did you find the US Open? How many did you play in? What's your best finish? Oh, I can't tell you how many I played. I, was, I think I played in four or five. I have to look up the Wikipedia page for that one. Best finish was tied sixth in 2006 where Jeff Ogilvy won. As it turned out, if I had a part the back nine on Sunday, I would have been in a playoff with Jeff, but unfortunately couldn't do it. Who were you playing with on the final day? Fred, uh, I think it was Fred Funk. Fred, Fred Funk. Funk, yeah, we had wow. a great time out there. Yeah, no, I, I played great that last day. Shot the low round of the, the day, 69, one under par, because that's how hard it was playing. The winning score yeah. was five over. Where was that at? Uh, winged foot. Winged foot, winged yeah. Foot, yeah. But I, I love US Opens just in a sadistic way because they are so tough. I mm. mean, winning scores in everyone I played in were well over par. Five over par was generally around the mark. Um, you know, 10 over cuts, that sort of thing. It has changed probably in the last 10 or 15 years or 10 or so years, I would imagine those sorts of stats. But, um, and this US Open is very different because uh, it's the first time it's back in LA in 75 years. It's on a golf course, which has a bit of variety to it, quite wide open off the tee, which is fascinating. It's it's an old George Thomas golf course designed in 1927. So one of the, the most um, 
prestigious and what's the right word I'm looking for? Uh, restricted. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Exclusive? Exclusive. There that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Baby brain, they yeah. call that. And, and the reason they haven't had a US Open or a major there before is because the members and the committees didn't really want it. They just like to keep the course no. how it is. But uh, for some reason, it's come up that, they, that they're putting it on this year. And um, it'll be... You know, not a lot of the players have ever played this golf course. They had a Walker Cup there back in mm. 2017. Scheffler, uh, Morikawa uh, did play in that. I believe Max Homer and Cantlay have quite a quite a lot of local knowledge around there. They play this golf course quite a bit. So it's going to test out all aspects of your game. You don't need to be as accurate as other US Opens. It's fairly generous off the tee. But one thing you will need is a very good short game. So... It, that sets up nicely for uh, one Aussie in particular and, and obviously various players throughout the world. Uh, we'll get to Cam Smith mm. in just a moment. Have you played the course? I've never been there, no. no. We probably wouldn't have been allowed if, as we talked well, about, the exclusivity of the, of the play. Uh, ranked the 16th best golf course in America. Mm, okay. In the most recent sort of uh, top 100 yep. ranking. So a pristine uh, course. But... From what you know about the course, because as we like to do but before each major, we like to just try and match. It's like food and wine, Nick. We <laughs> like to match course to player. Yeah, so true. we could easily sit here and chat about, well, who are the, uh, the favourites heading in for you? Yeah. But when you look at form leading in mm. and course, is there a couple of names that you think are pairing quite nicely? Yeah, I mean... Cam Smith, um, form-wise, it's a little hard to tell what his form's like, obviously, because mm. he hasn't played that much this year, given the live events and that. Um, the course sets up perfectly for him. doesn't have to be as accurate off the tee, which is probably his slight weakness, if anything, with mm. the driver. He can get a bit squirrely there, but his short game's phenomenal. I mean, everyone at the moment is talking about Victor Hovland, but for me, his ball striking is incredible, obviously, but his short game, I think, is good on courses where there's heavy rough next to the green. On this particular mm. golf course, yes, they have heavy rough, but they also have a lot of runoff areas where you've got to chip off shaved lies and things like that, and I'm not sure his chipping's up to that as yet. A um, couple of other people I really like, for obvious reasons, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, Tita Green, he is the best player in the world by a long way at the moment. It's just incredible. The only doubt, you know, doubt about him at the moment is the putting. It just hasn't been on song. But if he hits the ball from the green pretty the, well. What do you know about the greens at the LA Country Club? Uh, very unusually shaped. A lot of uh, – there's so many different pin positions that they can put there. That's yep. for sure. And it's kind of a, an interesting setup. There's five par threes, two of them over 280 yards. That's a scary thought. Longest par three I ever played was at Oakmont, where it was 299 yards, a par three. Yep. Um, but it never the played. The 11th is 290. Correct, yeah. And then they've got one of the shortest ones at about 125, the 15th hole. So mm. they've got a real mix in there. And then the last three holes are three of the strongest holes you're going to see. Three par fours, uh, one's at 16, 542 yards, which is 493 metres. 17 is 520. And then 18 is 492. So we're talking some serious clout coming home. So I was having a look back at the last couple of majors this year and just to see what the form line's telling us. So there's three players this year that have been top ten in both. Um, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, yep. who you've just mentioned, and Victor Hovland, Victor. who you've just mm. spoken about. So you've spoken about those two. So what about Brooks? Yeah, uh, Brooks is an obvious one. Uh, yep. Sorry, I, I was going to get to Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> 
what is he had a second and a first? Yeah, I, I, he's in the gone majors, okay. I think he's yeah. doing all right. And, yeah, and you never know with that guy. I mean, he just he lifts for these moments. And as we've spoken yeah. about, the live tour has been perfect for him because he doesn't have to. And care by the way, him. just on that, the responses between the PGA players who were furious. The live players thought it was hilarious. Yeah, of course they did. Brooks sure. was tweeting, "Can somebody check on um, <laughs> uh, Brandel Shambly?" Um, Bryson DeChambeau gave his "Heal the World" interview. Oh, was... um, they were there was a, a Phil Mickelson was glow. Yeah. So they're coming in in a very different mindset than the PGA players. Oh, for sure they are. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And there's uh, a couple who have been top twenty in both. Mm-hmm. Um, so Xander Schauffele has been top twenty in both. Patrick Cantlay has been um, top 20 in both. We don't tend to discuss him, even though I think he's fourth in the world, uh, if not fifth um, at he's the moment. He's got a lot of local knowledge there. Yeah. So uh, him and Max Homer are the two which probably have played the course the most from what I've heard. And yeah. uh, look out for those two going in, that's for sure. And Patrick uh, Reed's been top 20 in both this yeah. year too. The other guy sneakily that I really like there is Jordan Spieth. Uh, his wrist is better. Yep. And uh, his short game's obviously world-class, can put the lights out. And his driver and his, and his Tita Green's been very good of late. So I really like uh, the way Spieth's lining up there. Yeah, top 10 at the Masters, top 30 at the PGA uh, for, for Jordan Spieth. Um, should we go through the Aussies uh, and just get your mm. view? So let's start with Cam Smith. And firstly, let's hear Cam Smith talking about when he found out about the merger or the, for lack thereof, a better word. I guess the first reaction was, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of a joke that had come out. <laughs> um, and then Hachi uh, gave me a call and kind of explained what was going on. He didn't really explain too much. I think there's still a lot of stuff to be worked out and um, as time goes on we'll, we'll get to go get to know more and more but there's definitely a lot of curious players um, I think on both sides as to you know what the future is going to look like. Yeah I, I really know as much as you guys know to be honest. Um, I haven't been told much at all. Um, I'm just taking it as it goes along and yeah I guess if, if anything comes up I'll, I'll let you guys know but f- for the moment it's just uh, trying to play the best golf I can and trying to win a US Open. Would you want to return to the PGA Tour next year? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another pretty hypothetical question. That's, yeah, I'm un- unable to answer that one. So that was on the big news of the week. This was, though, talking about his strengths and weaknesses in relation to the LA Country Club course. I like to th- think that I play my best golf around kind of tough golf courses. I know uh, kind of my US Open record isn't, isn't that great. Um, you know, for me, uh, the driver has always been the one club where it uh, gets me in trouble and the US Open and probably the PGA, the US PGA, are, are really, uh, you have to drive the ball strong and um, I think that's where a golf tournament can get away from me, but the driver's starting to feel really good and um, I think there's a few opportunities around here to make birdies, so um, I think that falls into my hands a little bit. So that's sort of what you were talking about a little earlier. So you're really liking Cam's game with this course. Oh, very much so. Yeah, he, uh, you know, his his short game. We, we've seen it before. We saw it at uh, the Players Championship last year, where he seemed to get up and down from everywhere. And then he put on a putting clinic at St Andrews when he won the Open Championship. So with the short sticks, he is uh, as good as anyone in the world. And if he gets a little bit of leeway off the tee, that's just going to play into his hands as well. And um, you know, the the only thing that's hard to know is is what his form's like because he's had two weeks off since he last played uh i think it was a live event in washington dc so um we'll see what his form is like coming in uh he was 
top 10 at the PGA Championship, uh, finished in a blaze of glory and uh, just outside the top 30, if memory serves, uh, in the Masters. So he's still ranked uh, number nine in the world, Nick. His best finish was in 2015, tied for fourth. I think Cam, uh, Adam Scott was the same that year as well. Um, and obviously the one major win. So you're really liking his chances. Jason Day, uh, 23rd in the world. We know the year that he had had um, his best finish. He's been tied for second twice, 2011 mm. and 2013 at this event. Obviously it changes courses, but he's got a great record here and he's in great form this year despite probably the last two tournaments. Yeah. Well, the last two tournaments, his preparation hasn't been ideal. So for one of them, what was it, Oak Hill, he never even saw the golf course. Nope. So I'm hoping he's out there now, you know, walking around having a good look at this golf course because preparation is key in the majors. And he goes into this week the same as everyone else where they really have never seen the golf course before. It'll only be at, at this time. But this is where you need to get to that golf course weeks in advance to have a really good look at it, you know, play it for two or three days and really get a feel for the greens especially. That's the hardest thing going into new golf courses is getting a feel for those breaks and how everything slopes and where, where you know the lines they've got to take off the tee as well. There are a number of blind shots, uphill tee shots, mm. where you need to know exactly where you're going. Uh, just in terms of those gentlemen, you can watch Jason Day at uh, just past 1am on Friday morning and Cam Smith is 6.32am, a bit more user-friendly that time. Adam Scott, 37th in the world, best finish, tied for fourth in 2015. Uh, along with Cam Smith, um, our only Masters winner, um, has been solid as a rock this year. Top 10 finishes in three of his past four starts. Mm. This is his 22nd US Open as well. That's uh, that's a lot of US Opens. And his, of, cut streak is, his cut streak at majors is incredible. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. Just the, the longevity. And, and when you look mm. at him, you'll know why, because he's as fit as a fiddle. But, you know, everyone talks about Adam Scott's ball striking and everything like that, but... Interestingly, a couple of stats really sort of came out to me was he's 30, number 32 on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. So he's obviously putting very well, even though a lot of people seem to think that's his downfall. But the other side of it, and this will be a big factor in this golf course, is he's top 20 in sand saves on the tour at the moment. And the, a lot of the bunkers there are very deep and tricky and it'll, you'll need to have your, uh, your, your, your sand game in good shape this mm. week. Uh, Cam Smith playing with Sam Bennett. You remember from the from the the the, the low amateur at the Masters, now professional Matt Fitzpatrick as well. Adam Scott playing with Gary Woodland and Corey Connors, the Canadian. Jason Day with Justin Rose and Ricky Fowler. Um, next to the Aussies, Cam Davis. So that tied for fourth at the US PGA, his best uh, result at a major, fifty third in the world at the moment, and uh, the one PGA to a win. He is teeing off at six twenty one with Kurt Kitayama and Russell Henley. His chances. I'm not sure about uh, Cam. This will be. I think he's on debut at a US Open. This could yep. be his first one. So um, yes, it uh, is. I'm going to have to say wait and see with Cam because it can be a little bit hit and miss at times. A little bit like Lucas Herbert, another Aussie that we'll talk well, so, about as well. So forgiving off the tee, which will suit Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, 55th in the world. He uh, was tied for 31st in in 2020 uh, at this uh, event at the US Open. Um, 55 in the world at the moment. Um, how do you see his chances? Yeah, again, he's very streaky, Lucas, and he, he he's not afraid to to mix it up with the big boys. He loves the big stage. Um, and, again, off the tee, if, if there's a little bit of leeway, I think that plays nicely into his hands. He's, he's actually one of the best putters on tour, which means he's one of the mm. best putters in the world. So we'll just see if he can keep those big numbers off his scorecard because they can happen. Uh, Minwoo Lee, 65th in the world. He was tied for 27th at the US Open uh, in 2022. 
He had a great finish. Um, well, not a great finish, but a, a good result uh, at the Masters. It was when he was tied for 14th, if memory serves, or that was the uh, PGA Championship, sorry. Um, anyway, you'd go with that and I'll uh, double-check my <laughs> notes here because I'm reading someone else's, uh, not someone else's notes, but you go. No, I mean, we like, well, yeah, I, I don't mind his chances there. I think the last tournament he played was Charles Schwab... Uh, Challenge there, he was tied 40th, he was 18th at the PGA Championship. That's he, had a, he had a run yep. of miscuts before then, so again, he's a little streaky like Lucas in that regard, and he's still only 24 He missed old. the cut at the Masters, it was the year before that he had the, yes. uh, the, the good finish there. Yep. Yeah, no, correct, but uh, you know, if he can draw some good vibes off his sister, who's playing some good golf as well of late, so uh, hopefully Min will get it going. And we don't really know what to expect from uh, the amateur Carl Phillips, who we spoke about last week, who's at Stanford College, uh, the one-handed chipper. Um, but we wish him all the very best and someone you know well. He's not the one-handed chipper. No, Carl, Carl, oh, Phillips, Carl Phillips is the Aussie who, who got the... Uh, who no, got, the other bloke's the one-handed oh, chipper. Austin yeah. Truslow, he's... Yeah. yeah. So Carl... Carl. Just Koala enjoy the experience. Koala Carl, just enjoy the experience. Uh, yeah, basically soak it all up. Uh, you know, he won his qualifier, his co-medalist in his qualifiers. He was the only Aussie that was uh, that got through on, mm. in the qualifying, which is amazing. And uh, this will just be a wonderful experience for him. We've got to come back with our uh, very good friend, the boss at Pure Form Golf. But in a word, your winning tip. Winning tip the for the US player? Open. Yep. Spieth. And the best Aussie. Smith. I'm going to go Cam Smith and Cam Smith. <laughs> okay, fair call. Well, we got him in, in two of them anyway. Yeah, so. uh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, uh, US Open, can't wait and can't wait to review it all uh, next week on Off the Tee. Uh, we're going to wrap it up with a really important chat with uh, the major sponsor of this show. Um, we won't do a tip of the week for Mizuno Golf. Hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Mizuno Golf, find your nearest stockist or fitter at mizunogolf.com slash au. And our mulligan for this week we will save to next. But did you have one that you wanted to hand out? Well, if the, if I was, it would be uh, Tommy Fleetwood on the 72nd hole. Should have had a go with his second shot with the firewood out of the rough instead of laying up. Have a crack. We'll be back with Paul Jenner from Pure Form Golf. Uh, improve your game with Pure Form Golf after this. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Well, last week on Off The Tee, we told you uh, what Pure Form Golf, improve your game with custom fitter clubs at Pure Form Golf, had done for the likes of Eric Banner. 35 extra metres in carry. Joe Hashem, 13. Jack Gunston, 14. Mick Malloy got it 25 extra, and so too did James Sicily by going to Pure Form Golf to get custom fitted. The boss at Pure Form Golf, his name is Paul Jenner. We've got him on the line again this week. Paul, hello to you, mate. Hello, Paul. Oh, no, not again. Paul, have you got us there? Let me just uh, try that again. Paul, have we got you there? Hello, Paul. And we're just uh, struggling to get Paul. There must be something. It must be our fault. It must be on our end, yeah. Let's talk about US Open golf while we're waiting, maybe. Um, Who should we have spoken about? Um, that well, we haven't. We really. haven't mentioned Ram or, or, or McElroy. So we? by your logic, with forgiveness off the tee, Ram would be right back in calculations because yeah. that's what's been going wrong for him. One thing about the courses, though, you do need to shape the ball a little right to left off some of the tees. And we know that's possible with Ram, but uh, McElroy, he loves to hit that little draw, so that can help him. 
All right. I think we've got Paul back on the line. Paul, have we got you there? Yeah. How you going, guys? We're very good. Now, Paul, we don't have a heap of time left, so let's jump right into this. Why do you at Pure Form Golf, uh, you've got locations in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. Just check the website to find the local uh, one near you. Why do you recommend golfers getting custom fitted? So getting fitted with the technology now, uh, the agnostic approach that we have, every shaft goes into every head and every brand left and right-handed. We can profile your swing. If you've been playing golf for more than a year regularly, you've already built a golf swing. That's not going to change unless you're uh, having lessons and practicing hundreds of balls every week. So with equipment, uh, get the right shaft, weight, flex profile. We can get the timing of the strike good, increase that ball speed. And then we dial in ahead to get that launch spin dispersion. And then we can custom make it to spec for you. Um, using the best technology. We've got a special machine that gets every shaft to bend the same. It's called SST Pure. They use it on the PJ Tour. And we can just, not, like making a suit for someone, we'll build that club uh, to optimise what you've got without having to spend hours on the range or, or doing golf lessons. Just makes the game more enjoyable, putting it together. Fantastic, Paul. I love hearing all this stuff. It's uh, right up my alley. I used to love being out on the PGA Tour and hearing about all this sort of things. Um, but how, how did you get started in the uh, custom golf fitting business? And I mean, I guess another question, I'm going to give you a two-parter here, is how has yeah. the uh, industry sort of evolved over the last 10 years? Yeah, I've been a PGA member for 25 years this year. Um, originally, when I was a, a junior growing up, we used to do all the club making repairs, refurbishments. That's sort of where I got started. My first boss as a trainee pro was a Henry Griffiths fitter in, in the 90s. That was the, all the rage, but there was no technology back then. So as things evolved, uh, we started to see these businesses like Club Champion, who's just done an acquisition with us, popping up in America in sort of around 2007, eight when TrackMan became available. And all of a sudden, you started to see aftermarket shafts and stuff that the tour guys had access to, which was never available to the public before popping up. And I saw the opportunity, um, the equipment side, the tech side is my passion, and I was never enjoyed coaching, so I moved into that and um, pretty much brought that, that model, the first one, to Australia, having that agnostic approach with technology. That was, I sort of started this back in 2010, actually, in my garage is where I actually started it, just doing some aftermarket shafts and some basic rebuilds, puring shafts by hand, and then it evolved into um, uh, pure form golf, so... It's a bit of a journey, but the opportunity was there. Um, I saw what was happening. I uh, went to the US, spent a bit of time there, and I was blown away by the results that your average punter, your 15, 20 markers, picking up 20 yards on their irons, 15, 20 yards on a driver, tighter dispersion. So, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. I thought, you know, here's the opportunity. Uh, let's bring this down under. And, yeah, it's sort of blown up from there. Well, Paul, we love what you're doing. We love you being involved in this show uh, off the tee. We wouldn't be here without you, and we're so grateful to you uh, and what you're doing for golfers all around the place. Um, I had a, a coach say to me that you can watch all the videos in the world, you can have all the lessons in the world, but if you don't have the right clubs fitted to you, then it's none of it's going to matter. Uh, that's how important what you're doing is, mate. Thanks so much for being with us, finally getting to chat to you. It's been great. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. Uh, wonderful to have uh, the boss at Pure Form Golf. Get on their website and check out where the location in Melbourne, Sydney and the new shop in Brisbane is for you to improve your game with custom-fitted clubs, clubs clubs at Pure Form Golf. We'll do two tips next week for Mizuno Golf. Find your nearest stockist or fitter at mizunogolf.com slash au as well. And all the news is for Ping Golf. That's it from us.